0: The statistically speaking podcast with Kyle Lumling and Blinken and Riley. We are here covering all your college football dreams and needs. Uh this is our our official first uh podcast of the college football season, which starts in what, five days?
1: Anyone five know? days.
0: Five days. Oh yeah.
1: Five days. Well there's touch and go there for Oklahoma fans for a while. So
0: Yeah, yeah I saw you today on Twitter kind of five freaking days. out. <laughs>
1: I saw you freaking out, saying "Oh no!" Yeah, I was uh, it was twiddling my thumbs there, tapping my feet. It was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a high,
0: high, high stress moment there. Yeah, I, I can't imagine waiting so. 200 something days just for your game to be canceled. Hmm. Yeah. It was okay, well um do you want to introduce our guest this week, Blinken?
1: Yeah this uh, this week we have a guest. We have guest Kelly Ford who's joining us. Kelly,
2: hey. Hey, hey, everyone. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you might know him on Twitter for his K-Ford ratings. Um, He has his own uh, college football power ratings and resume rankings. Um, I've been following him for a while, and he does some good work, good graphics. Um, He has a really nice website, if you've ever been to it. It's KFordRatings.com. He updates his ratings every week after the results of the games. Um, We'll go into how he comes up with these ratings a little bit later uh but first let's talk week one football lineup um we got some good matchups we got five ranked on ranked uh games it's the biggest opening weekend slate i've seen in a while and the anticipation has just been driving me crazy um what are y'all's uh games you're looking forward to
1: so i think it goes without saying like the georgia clemson game like i think that's a huge one Mm -hmm. um Because, well, one, you've got some kind of new faces, some unknowns. Um, You've got JT Daniels kind of coming in as kind of the guy, um, which, you know, he didn't play till late in the season last year. But you've also got, you know, new face at quarterback at Clemson. You've got, you know, some kind of intriguing statistical matchups there with, you know, I I don't know, Clemson was – I think 11th in rushing yards per game in the ACC Ooh. last year, Yikes. Um, which sounds unbelievable, but it does. Um, but, and then you couple that with, you know, Georgia, if they are anything like they were last year, they mm-hmm. led the nation in uh, run stopping. So I think that is going to be a something I'm going to watch at least um, yeah, during that sure. game.
0: Um, Yeah,
2: yeah. I think think you guys hit the nail on the head there. Um, I mean, I I ran a quick thing before this. I see 84 games in week one. We got 46, our FBS versus FBS. 20 have a projected spread of less than a touchdown, according to my numbers. Um, So lots of really close games. And then there are 10 games with an average k Ford rating, which is Kyle, you said at the top, we're going to get into a little bit more what that means. 10 of those games have an average k Ford rating of greater than 75. And uh, you guys will be pleased to know that includes both Louisiana at Texas and now Tulane at Oklahoma with the flipping of that game as well. Um, And then there are five games that have both an average k Ford rating greater than 75 and a projected spread less than a touchdown. And Georgia Clemson, obviously the one right at the top of the list. So um, yeah. I'll be curious to see um, this just, it it looks like a game. It feels like a game that it's all set up for Georgia this year. And uh, it's just JT Daniels is just going to have to ball out. I mean, both teams match up really well. Um, Looking at my numbers, there's very few weak points on either team. Um, I just think JT Daniels is going to have to go out and win the game. If Clemson gets by Georgia here in this week, I mean, they're cruising. This is the only game that I have Mm -hmm. all season for Clemson where the projected spread is less than 19 points. So, if they get if they get through Georgia, I just think they're cakewalking all the way. So, um, just from a neutral perspective, kind of hoping Georgia can stand up, make it a good game, and maybe give us something to keep an eye on Clemson for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think if if Clemson wins, like you said, it'll be it'll be a cakewalk for them, like like it always is. They, they usually don't have this kind of um, heavy hitting game until like the very end. Um, so, I'm looking down their their schedule, and this is the only ranked game they have. So yeah, so I mean, with Clemson, even with the loss, uh, you know, they'll drop to like still probably top ten, and then they'll just like get like ten or eleven more wins to finish out the their week schedule, and they could still probably creep back into it, um, you know, because people are going to lose left and right. So, I mean, I think win or lose, Clemson will be fine, but I really, I really think it'll it'll put people on notice on how Clemson. Might not be that good this year. Who knows? We'll see. Um, so uh, uh, going down the ESPN uh, college pick'em list, Georgia and Clemson is on that. Um, we're going to do this thing, uh, week in and week out, where me and Blinken uh, and I, our guests, if we have one that week, uh, we'll pick our our choice on who 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 we think is going to win um, straight up in each of these games. So if y'all want to get into that, who do y'all have for Georgia Clemson?
2: Yeah, I got, I got Clemson and I, um, I know we're picking straight up. So give me Clemson. I've got them by about six and a half, which is a little bit more than Vegas does right now. So I think they're going to cover as well.
1: Yeah, I've got Clemson as well. Um, I think there's a few things, you know, just from like a, a betting, you know, standpoint I mean, the games in Charlotte. So I think that's going to be a, uh, kind of a big thing for, you know, those home crowds, the, the, the Southern football uh, fan bases. Uh, but I think that um, I'm going to pro- try to pronounce his name. Uh, Ui Agalele? Is that right? Anybody? It's
2: close yeah. enough for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have a phone Davo on that one. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, I I, like that kid's a real deal. He's, he's had, I mean, over a 120 uh, so far attempt passing attempts and so far in his career. And he hasn't thrown an interception yet. I mean, he's, I think, I think that guy's more than capable of taking over the Clemson offense. And um, I I just have, I I think Clemson pulls away on this one. And, you know, with all the hype that George is getting so far uh, before the season starts, it's, yeah, I think it's just going to come crashing down real early for him. Yeah. yeah what, um,
2: oh, go ahead, Kyle.
0: No, you, you're good.
2: Go. I, I was just going to say um, with DJ there, a, a lot of people get hung up in returning production, which that goes into my preseason ratings too. Um, and so not a ton of returning production at the quarterback position there for Clemson. But when you're coming in with somebody like DJ Uyungalai, who is a five-star kid who played well when he did play last year, I mean, there might be a little bit of drop-off because Trevor Lawrence is just the number one pick, right? But uh, I don't expect to see nearly the drop-off that maybe some are saying just because he's, quote, unproven. I mean, I'm not sure that uh, returning production is the end-all, be-all. I know uh, – I think Josh Pate made the example on his um, show the other day. He said uh, Martinez at Nebraska has been there for about forever. He's got all the returning production in the world, and we saw how <laughs> that went this past weekend. So returning production, while it's useful, is not the end-all, be-all. I have no concerns about uh, quarterback at Clemson.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, just to be different, I'm going to throw in Georgia, mostly because all off season I I don't know why I just had this gut that they're going to do well, and then I and then I um, was looking at um, how they did last year, and you know I mean they they got smoked by Bama, but basically everyone did, so it doesn't really matter. The game that really uh, has me wondering though is when they when they went uh, and lost to Florida by almost 20 points. Um, that's, I don't know. Um, so, but just just to keep this interesting, I'm going to say Georgia. Um, I, I think Clemson has a great team. I think if they pull it off, it'll be a close one. Like uh, Kelly said, uh, probably score or less will be the difference. Uh, what about the next one on here? We got...
2: Kyle, uh, one more thing before sure. you move on there. I yeah. think the concern, the concern you had about that Florida-Georgia game, if I recall correctly, wasn't Stetson Bennett? I think he was still quarterback in Georgia at that time. So I think JT Daniels, I mean, we saw how they could play at the end of last year mm-hmm. with him in quarterback position. So um, just something to think about too and just the overall yeah. improvement that you could have from that game to, to where they are here in 2021.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, they, they they ended the season with four uh, solid wins over since Cin- he in that uh, – Near six bowl, Uh, I think they'll they're starting the season coming in strong. So I think it'll be a I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, Next we got the main game, main event, Bama, Miami. I think the world is betting on Bama. Is there any way Miami can pull this off? What do y'all think? I think I think
1: they can. I think there's a huge, you know, we talked about returning production, um, but you lose your quarterback, your running back and probably your two best wide receivers. Um I mean that's a lot of production to just kind of plug and play and, and pick up where you left off. Uh I mean Mac Jones and Jalen Waddell and Mac Jones and uh Devontae Smith were both top four QB <laughs> or QB wide receiver <laughs> tandems in the SEC. That's crazy. Like, Like that's a lot of production. Like it, you know, it's it's Alabama, but I I think if you know if there's ever that year where uh, they kind of don't quite make it, I Mm -hmm. think this might be it. Um, But
0: that being said, I'm still gonna pick Bama. (laughs) Yeah, you 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 pick you pick the the number one team until they are not number one anymore. It's basically how it goes. Um, I think Miami could possibly pull it out. I'm not sure. Uh, I I know we'll know by like the second quarter if they're going to pull it off or not. Um, you know if it's like thirteen ten going into halftime, yeah, anyone's game. But you know Bama likes to do this thing where they make you they make you feel close, and then in the second half they just put their foot on the gas and they you don't score again. Uh, so I'm very excited for this one. Um, I think I'll pick. I think I'll pick Miami just so uh when we're whenever we can brag about this later, I could I could be the one who caused the Bama upset, so I'm gonna put Miami. <laughs> just be, oh, I mean and I was looking at their um I know return production isn't everything, but um they're I think number three in the nation for I mean this could be an old an old uh return production, but they got ninety one percent coming back. That's pretty good. Uh King could he didn't have a that still overseas last year. I think he's gonna be much better this year. I know I know Bama is like five deep in every position. So I think you know that they lose a five star to the draft. They got many more to just plug and play with. So I, I think they'll be okay, but maybe maybe the team playing first week can take advantage of that the most. So if anyone's gonna do it, I think Miami does have the better chance. You know, because they might get better throughout the season once everyone gets more experience. So I think if any time it's going to happen, it might be week one. So I'll go with Miami. What about uh, you, Kelly?
2: Yeah, I'm going I'm to ask you. I hear all your points. Uh, <laughs> I take, I, I've i got Miami. I'm, I'm actually, Kyle, I'm higher on Miami than the AP poll. And it's significant. I mean, oh, I think nice. got, the AP's got them like 14. I've got mm-hmm. them at eight. Like, I, think, I think Miami's a really good team. I think Mm -hmm. they're fantastic. You mentioned some of the returning production. It is 90-plus percent, D.R. King, all these things. It's great. The problem is they're playing Alabama. And so I I mentioned earlier I've got five games on the slate this week with an average K-4 rating um, of greater than 75. So that's both teams combined, their average, and a projected spread less than a touchdown this game is not one of those five because it doesn't meet that second piece of criteria there. I got this game at 15 points. I got Alabama favored, which I think is actually slightly less than the out uh, than the Vegas line. So I guess I'd be taking Miami to cover, but right. I mean, I'll Alabama by 15, which equates to, as I'm looking here at my win probability model, that's an 86% chance to win the game that I'm giving Alabama. So I, you said, is there any chance Miami can do it? Sure. There's a 14% chance, I guess, according to my number. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, ESPN has that at, uh, 19.6% for Miami to win. So, okay. So not looking that great for them, but yeah, you're very close to what ESPN has. Okay. Um, we got a little, little lower on the, on the fun poll game coming up, uh, West, West, West Virginia, and Maryland. Talk about a barn burner. What do you think about that one?
2: I could jump in on that one here. Um, that actually was not one of the games that I had uh, highlighted in anticipation of this, but I can understand the desire to talk West Virginia here with a couple big 12 guys or big 12 for now, I guess, guys. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking at that and I see uh, West Virginia by about four and a half, which as I put that into my win probability comes out to about a 62% chance for West Virginia. So um I'll take the Mountaineers on that. I know they're going to Maryland. I know Maryland's pulled some surprises in recent years um, in opening weeks uh, against some some of on this. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I I I
0: I talked in my water a little bit. Sorry. Yeah,
2: yeah. No. And, and I mean, being from big 10 country, love to see when Maryland does well, it's good for the conference. It's good for, for a lot of things, but I I think West Virginia is going to get it done here. I've got West Virginia as my number 35 team right now in my uh, week one, I guess ratings. I did update them based on the the five FBS games we had um, in week zero and I've got Maryland sitting at number 68. So again, about four, four, four and a half points. I'll give it to West Virginia.
0: Yeah. I'm going to go West Virginia too. Um, Maryland didn't look that great last year. Um, and, you know, West Virginia, they got six wins. I mean, I, I'm just going to go off of that. Um, I know it's at Maryland, but I don't really think that's going to do anything. I don't I don't know how crazy the, the stands are going to be. Uh, I mean, besides, like, the powerhouse schools, um, I just don't see many places being, like, jam-packed and making a difference with home field advantage, at the fr- especially in the first week. Um you know like as we saw with u c l a um, unless you're like Alabama or a Clemson or I guess technically Nebraska would probably sell out uh you're not you're not not gonna get that many fans first week, I don't think especially in a a game like this um so I'm gonna uh put West Virginia in the win
1: yeah I'm gonna go west virginia too i I've been going back and forth on this one these are two teams that I just I don't know what to do with yeah like they. Most models have them, you know, kind of even somewhere middle of the pack. And I'm just, I I think, I think West Virginia is probably a better team at this point. Um, So I'm going to go West Virginia.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Indiana and Iowa, two ranked games. Is that in your, um, one of those double criteria games, Kelly?
2: Yeah, we got a winner here. One of the five this week, a big, all big 10 matchup. I love to see it. Um, so I'm, I'm actually a little bit lower on Indiana than the AP poll. I think AP has got them at like 17 or something like that. I I've got them at 27. So um a little bit lower on, on Indiana about normal for Iowa. I think I've got them, I've got them at 20. Um, so I'm, I'm going to take Iowa. I think being at home and Kyle, I know you've just expressed some concerns about home field advantage. I, I might go the other way and and I know what we saw at UCLA and people have different thoughts on why that is and everything. But Mm -hmm. I think generally speaking, people are going to be excited to be back in the stands and I Mm -hmm. think we're going to see um, a significant home field advantage in my opinion. So in all my numbers, I've gone back to the old uh, two and a half points for, for home field. So I'm using a full home field advantage here starting in week one or starting week zero and moving into week one. So I've got Iowa by four points. Um, which comes out to sixty-one and a half percent win probability. So, I mean, this is this is a relative toss-up, right? Anything between yeah. anything between thirty-five and sixty-five ish. I mean, that that's that's a toss-up game, I think. So, I wouldn't be shocked to see Indiana do it. I know I, I get a lot of heat on on Twitter um, from from IU folks. One, I'm, <laughs> I'm a Purdue grad, so that doesn't help my case with Ooh, them, but. Yeah. My numbers were a little lower on Indiana last year, too, which which plays into a little bit of these preseason, pre-season numbers. So um, I, I'm not quite sold in Indiana. Had a great year last year. It was actually their best year since uh, 1946, according to my numbers. So the best year since World War II days um, for Indiana. But uh, just I, I think Iowa's going to be tough, and I think Kinnick's going to be rocking. So uh, I'm going to take Iowa.
1: Yeah, I think uh, – so Indiana had a turnover margin of plus eight last season and turnovers are one of those things turnover margin are one of those things that don't really, um, they're not really stable year to year. And so I think that probably means they're kind of that regression candidate. And I think going into Iowa is going to be tough for them. So I'm going to pick Indiana or Iowa as well
0: to beat Indiana. Man, you guys making me, making me go against you. I, I, I want Indiana. (laughs) I want them to be good this year. I think they have, um, a decent chance of being as well as good as they were last year, which like Kelly said, was the best team they've had in multiple decades. Um, They got even close to getting a conference title. Uh, So I think with all of that, I think um, I'm going to, I'm going to go Hoosiers. Let's do this. Um, Tech in Houston. I'll go first on this one. Um, I personally, Saw what Tech was capable of last year surprised me. Um, I don't think Houston's going to be very good this year. Um, I'm 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 putting Tech by multiple touchdowns in this one. I'll,
2: I'll yeah, I'll I'll that. Go, go, go ahead, Blinken.
1: Well, I was going to say I, I think I'm I'm right there with you. I think uh, uh, I'm I'm going to have to take Texas Tech by at least a couple of scores. So.
2: My my turn to be the contrarian. uh, Oh yeah! So I I I I guess. Well, I I say that I'm I'm going to be on the fence. I'm going to go tech but I've got this as tech favor by less than a point. So, I mean, we're talking like a 50, 52, 53% win probability. So I'm not sure if that's a result of me being higher on Houston than maybe you guys, or maybe I'm lower on Texas tech. Um, I've got Texas tech number 48 right now, Houston number 57. It It is a, I am treating this as a neutral site game. I know it's in Houston, uh, but I'm treating it as neutral site because I don't believe it's on campus. If I'm if I'm right about that. Um, so I think if it was on campus, I would I would go Houston. But because it's technically neutral side, I think Texas Tech fans are going to be there. I think they'll show up. And uh, uh, give, give, give me Texas Tech, but I okay. this is a true toss-up for me.
0: Okay. Um, next, BYU and Arizona. Um, BYU had a pretty good season last year. Arizona, I don't think, won a game. This should be a- – this should be a, a landslide BYU by a landslide. Um, in my opinion, what do y'all say?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go BYU. by. I, I mean, 10. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, all joking. I'm, I'm only halfway joking here when I say BYU is maybe, uh, having an audition year for, uh, <laughs> for the big inclusion club. into a certain conference. Yeah. So, uh, uh I think I, I, and I just think BYU is better, uh, Arizona's, um, like you said, they've had a rough go lately. So, yeah, I'll take BYU.
2: Yeah, I, I got nothing to add here. I got BYU in the top 35. I got Arizona sub-100 to start the <laughs> year there. I
1: mean,
2: yeah. they're one of the the worst Power 5 teams for me coming into this year. So, I got BYU by about 16, comes out to like a 87% win probability. I, I think BYU rolls.
0: Okay, um, we got uh, Penn State and Wisconsin. I'm gonna guess that's another one of those um, one of those K Ford matchups.
2: You're on the money, Kyle. I put that as the number two matchup of the week in terms of having both those components in place. So another all Big Ten affair. You guys are going to start thinking I'm biased. I promise I'm not. It's just the Big Ten with their scheduling approach. I mean, I respect it. I like it right out of the gate. You're seeing some real games, quality games, games that count in the conference standings. I think it's refreshing. I think it's awesome. So um, these are two top 16 teams. For you can me. thank so, the
0: Alliance for that one, Kelly. <laughs>
2: yeah yeah I suppose I suppose you got that right um no we'll, we'll see how that all plays out I don't know um I know yeah. you you guys with with your teams going to the SCC I'm I'm not um I'm not in that boat so for me I have a little bit for, different take on the the commentary alignment but that's not what we're talking about uh right now so I'll keep it to the game um I got Penn State number sixteen Wisconsin number eleven it's in Madison so I've got wiscons I got a favorite Wisconsin Kyle I think you put a, a question out on Twitter the other day that said who's the first ranked team to lose this year my answer yep. to that was, was Penn State just because of the time of the game um, right. it's at noon, noon Eastern on Saturday so it'll definitely be the game that gets the the middle TV the main TV in my setup for that time and uh, I got Wisconsin by about uh four and a half points which um again that, that, that that's close it's not um it's not a it's not a runaway, but um, give, give me Wisconsin by about four and a
0: half. Yeah, uh, I went back and forth with this one. Um, it, I think it's going to be a close one, but I think I think being in Wisconsin, I think that'll be what pushes over the edge. Um, Penn State started to roll a little bit at the end of the year last year, but I, I just think Wisconsin is will just be better um, to start and at home. So I'm putting Wisconsin too.
1: So I think Wisconsin will be the better team at the end of the year, but I'm going to go with Penn state. I think you you just, you, you, you talked about how this is, you know, a high stakes game. I mean, it's a, it's, it counts in the, in the standings and it is first game of the, of the year right out of the gate. And we all know some weird stuff happens first game of the year. And so uh, not, not always do we see the team, um, play to their, you know, full character, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Um, So at at this point, you know, if nothing else, I'm picking Penn state just because this is one of those games. I feel like, uh, will give me an edge at the end (laughs) of the year when I'm picking against Kyle for the whole season. And I'll go back to this game and I'll say, remember that? Remember I beat, (laughs) I beat you you by one game on the season. Remember I picked Penn state that first week. So, (laughs) I'm going with Penn State.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Um, this one, I think, this, I think for some reason, I think it's going to be a weird one. We've got LSU and UCLA. What do y'all think? I don't know why, but I just, I'm smelling, smelling a little upset. I don't know why. I'm just smelling something.
1: I think if UCLA can get more than like 15 people in the Rose Bowl, I think that's, they, they might have a chance. I don't well, know if you I, saw those pictures, but uh, yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, uh, but well, that, that being said, I think UCLA looked pretty good. I know mm-hmm. Hawaii is hot garbage, but <laughs> UCLA looked pretty good, and you know, um, I, I think I think they might be able to to knock yeah. off LSU.
0: I think that'd be great. Yeah, I'm I'm going to put UCLA, um, just because I I mean LSU stumbled a lot last year. I don't know if they've gotten any better. First game, away. Stuff happening at home. UCLA already got their their, uh, their shakes and wiggles out first week. I think UCLA will pull it off. All right, Kelly, tell us why we're wrong.
2: <laughs> hey man, this is so this is a really intriguing one. I agree with you guys, and and you're exactly right. UCLA does have that benefit of having played that game last week. I agree. Hawaii is not a good team, but they did look good and. the 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 metrics that i use as inputs into my predictive model to figure out my team ratings it was impressed by what ucla did and that's opponent adjusted so um I, i had ucla come up from number 32 in my my preseason my week zero rankings up to number 24 so they're actually up into my top 25 based on their their result last week um but i do have lsu at number 13 uh I'm going to take LSU by about a point. I mean, we're talking a 53% win probability here. So, I mean, this is, again, another toss-up. I do have concerns about LSU. Um, I'm like everyone else. I want to know, was 2020 a blip or was 2020 – what we can come to expect from LSU. Did they just catch lightning in a bottle in 2019? So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt based on some of the things I look at in in my preseason numbers. Um, And so I've got LSU up in that top 15. I'm going to take them in this game, but uh, I won't be shocked to see Chip Kelly and UCLA, like you guys said, if they can get a couple fans there, because I do have (laughs) the 2.5 points baked in for home field, which that might be be generous down there at the Rose Bowl. But um, I'll take LSU, but that's going to be a really good game. It was one of those five games as well.
0: Okay, sweet. Um. Uh, to close us out, we got OU and Tulane and Louisiana and Texas. Uh, I know, I think all three of us are going to say oh, OU, uh, unless I'm wrong, Kelly. No, nah, it,
2: it, it's at the runaway. You got 97% win probably. Right. Nothing, nothing to worry about, Blinken, especially now that you're at home.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, what My concern is that last one Louisiana and Texas. Kelly, give us some good news over here.
2: Yeah, Kyle, I, I, I'm actually, I got nothing but good news for you. And I think part okay. of it has to do with, I'm higher on Texas than the AP. I've got Texas at number 15 this year. Um, I had them as a strong team last year, despite a couple a couple of losses um, throughout the season. But that's one of the main differences I think we'll see between my ratings and the AP poll is, is the emphasis on win-loss record um, in the AP. Whereas my numbers, uh, for predictively speaking, um, don't necessarily consider that as an implicit factor. Um, explicit factor, excuse me. And then Louisiana, great year last year. Expect them to be good again this year. They're bringing back lots of people, but uh, or lots of production. But I'm not as high on Louisiana as the AP poll. I've actually got them at number 38. Um, so I, I I think there's a trend here about which teams I have lower than the AP poll. A lot of them are coming from the group of five and had a lot of success last year talking about Louisiana Coastal. So I've got Texas by about nine and a half points, 75% win probability. I feel pretty good if I'm a Longhorn fan.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll take that. I agree. I think Texas can pull it off um i think uh, having a brand new everything is not always a great thing uh but i think uh being at home um and just with just a, a bunch of a, a lot more talent i think they'll be pull, be able to pull it off with i and i think they'll be a little better catch better coaching this go around uh than the last few years so all of that I'll, i'm going to put it on texas so I could talk about, uh, you know,
1: Louisiana's run production. I could talk about how they're bringing back a fifth-year quarterback. I could talk about how, you know, the old adage where with Texas that, uh, you know, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got none. I could go into all that, but I'm going to pick Louisiana <laughs> out of pure spite.
0: Yep, that's fine. <laughs> I'll get yeah, you back. I <laughs> Man, I Man, I, I will log off of Twitter. If it even starts to go south, I'm I'm not playing this game. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Just 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 for the sheer of I don't want to be mentioned ten thousand times in thirty minutes. I would. That's why Texas needs to win. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks for playing Week One uh, College Pick'em with Blink and Kyle, and our special guest Kelly. Um, okay, so uh, Kelly, why don't you just go into exactly. Uh, you talked about a bunch about your rate, your, uh, ratings. What exactly are they? How do you compile them? What does it all mean? How does it compare to AP um, and coach Cole, all that? Um, just, yeah, go into it. How, how'd you get started with it? Just go nuts.
2: Awesome. Absolutely. We'll do. Um, so yeah, my, my ratings again, at K dot ratings.com and on Twitter, kfordratings. ratings. Um, for me, it started, I'm just, I mean, I was, I've always been a sports fan. And I have a decently strong math background. My mom was a high school math teacher. I My undergrad degree is in mechanical engineering. So I've always been fascinated with power ratings. Um, being a college football fan, and, and that being my favorite sport, I've always been most interested in college football rating systems. And in my opinion, any story about college football ratings has to start with Bill Connolly's SP Plus and Brian Formos' FBI. Um, I mean, people call them the, the godfathers of college football uh, analytics, and, and I honestly couldn't agree more. So... I remember when I was in high school, that's when I first became familiar with the FP, or the, sorry, the F-plus rating system, um, which is a combination of kind of Bill and Brian's numbers, uh, and, and I was hooked. I mean, from that point on, I really relied on those numbers when talking about college football just amongst my friends. I mean, like what we, we just did in that last segment. It's all about my numbers. It's all about what do the numbers say, how does that translate to a win expectancy? I mean, what goes into those numbers is what I can get into here now, too, but – At the end of the day, it's all about what do the numbers say from me? I got to take my personal biases out of it and just look objectively. What do the numbers say? So um, there were times, though, as I was talking with my friends, when my opinion of a team or or what I thought of a team as I watched them didn't necessarily jive with the numbers I was seeing on FP+. And I started to wonder, well, is that just my biases that I just talked about? Or do I maybe think about this or see something different than than Brian or Bill are, are seeing, which I should never uh, assume to have thought. I mean, those guys know what they're doing. They're the best at it. Um, But it got me curious, I guess, is what really happened. And so as I got older, that kind of made me more and more curious. So with some encouragement from my friends, then I just decided to kind of give it a go myself and jump into this space, create my own rating system. I think it also helps that just the nature of college football tends to uh, generate more debate about rankings really than any other sport, at least in my opinion. So even though the market is pretty saturated, as I found found out when I started getting into the space myself, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of computer models out there and people's different various ratings, rankings, polls, all these different things. So the market's really saturated. But with all the debate, I was like, well, there's always room for, for one more. So um, just decided I'm going to pop in and, and do it. So. What goes into my ratings, I have two different sets. I have my K-Ford ratings, which are my predictive power ratings scaled from 0 to 100 with 50 representing the FBS average. And those are the ratings that I was just referencing um, or used to reference as we were talking about making our picks and who do we expect to win games. And then my second set of ratings is my most deserving rankings, um, which are results-oriented or resume-based. So they're looking backwards at what a team has accomplished they describe how a team has performed against its schedule relative to how the average top twenty-five team would be expected to perform against that same schedule. So it's basically how well have you done, and how well would the average top twenty-five team be expected to do against that schedule? And it kind of it's a way of normalizing and, and, and adjusting for strength of schedule. So that most deserving ranking has only two inputs: the win-loss record and a scoring margin, and then. I also at the end of the year, to be transparent, I reluctantly add an arbitrary bump um, for conference championships for no other reason than I know the committee um, values that as a tiebreaker if teams are close or whatever. And just it's a way that we as humans have inflated um, the importance of one game. But as a college football fan, I do think conference championships are important. So I put that in there because I do. Um, not that I'm trying to align my most deserving with the college football playoff selection committee rankings, but I do see quite a bit of correlation with those. Um, and so I think it's fair to include a little bump. Um, if I didn't, I wouldn't do it, but it's something that I think long and hard about before I do. Um, but then for, for my most deserving rankings, they use my predictive K Ford ratings as the engine. So to get back to those and the ones that really started this whole thing for me. I didn't reinvent the wheel when it came to predictive analytics for college football. I mean, I I mentioned my affinity for Bill Connolly and Brian from O. um, There's a reason they're so revered. um, It's because they know what they're doing. So I familiarize myself as much as possible with all the publicly available information about their ratings. And as a result of all that research and just reading up and and trying to figure out exactly how it is they do what they do, I would guess that my model's core um, is likely pretty similar to theirs in terms of The inputs. It's not going to be exact, but I think I've been able to to gather kind of the things that they've found through research and through um, um, back testing things to be predictive. So I've I've incorporated those, Um, and so I've adopted probably a slightly different weighting system to those um, inputs. But I do use the five factors. I do use. Uh, per play and per drive stats. Um, I also incorporate things like expected points added. So I know uh, Kyle Blinken, you guys know Parker Fleming, um, Stats of War on Twitter. He has an awesome website, uh, collegefootballgraphs.com. It's got lots of great EPA data on there. Um, collegefootballdata.com is another really helpful resource with lots of useful info that that I like to frequent. So every single week during the season, I scrape all that data that I need, along with a few other um, – Proprietary inputs, uh, which I found to have strong predictive power, and I use those as my model's inputs. Um, and then my model outputs a rating for each FBS team, and in its raw form, it comes out as a points per game either above or below the average FBS team. And I actually, Kyle, you you might recall this from following on Twitter. Um, I use that for handicapping purposes the past couple of, of college football seasons. And in 2019, I mean. I had some ridiculous success. It, it was something like the end of the year was like 68% against the spread in my best yeah. bets, um, which is just, I mean, that's unheard of. It's not sustainable. Yeah. Like, I get all that, but man, it was fun to ride. Um, and, and that's really kind of what helped me gain some, some traction on Twitter with some different followers, people that got into that along with help my friends just promoting and all that. But those best bets were games in which my projected line was three or more points um, different than the Vegas spread. And so that's, that's where I found value, I guess you could say, in, in finding the games to, to, to um, suggest people um, to put money down on. So um, with all the uncertainty that was, came with 2020, things didn't go quite as well in the betting <laughs> sphere, or the handicapping sphere, I should say. Um, so it really kind of took the fun out of it for me, uh, stressed me out a little bit, took a little break from Twitter just because I uh, wasn't loving it, which um, I never thought I'd say. I didn't love watching college football, but it, it really did start to wear on me a little bit. So Decided to take a little break from that here in 2021, and I modified uh, the model's output now to be on that 0 to 100 scale that I mentioned earlier, with 50 being the average. So um, that's kind of what it looks like um, during the season, uh, before the season starts to get my preseason ratings. Um, I mentioned those a little bit in our segment earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the same things that, that again, Bill Connor looks at as his, his SP+. I look at returning production. I look at recent recruiting, so in the past four cycles, and I I weight that based on um, like more recent classes are more heavily weighted. I use the twenty four seven sports composite ratings uh, for that, and then recent performance. So looking at my team's year um, re- end year-end ratings uh, for the last three or four years, again uh, decreasing in weight the farther back you go, um, and that kind of is how I generate my preseason um, my preseason numbers, and then all those things I talked about before is how I update them throughout the year as I phase out the preseason um, information, and then. Kyle, you also asked, uh, last thing I'll say um, is you asked, how does it compare your numbers? How do they compare to the human poles? Yeah. And historically, um, I think, the AP and the coaches poll assign more weight to wins and losses, as I mentioned earlier. And the AP, uh, if you win, you go up or you stay where you were if no one above you lost. Typically, I think we're starting to see a little bit more um, voter um, thought go into that now, I feel like, these days than we used to. But um, And if you lost, you went down. For me, it's more about how these teams are playing, more so than necessarily the outcome of the game. So um, if, if you played well and maybe you were unlucky to lose the game based on some of those um, – Factors and stats that we look at as the game go- goes on, um, you my numbers don't necessarily punish you. And similarly, if you play poorly and maybe you got lucky to win that game, my numbers aren't necessarily going to reward you for that. So uh, yeah. I think that there's the difference in the predictive numbers. And then my most deserving rankings, since those are completely results based, as I said earlier, there's usually a decent correlation with the college football, uh playoff selection committee rankings. So I think this year I, I hit on a couple of these earlier The biggest differences that I see in my ratings versus the AP poll, the preseason poll, it comes – there's two teams that I have a greater than a 10-spot ranking difference. It's Coastal Carolina, who the AP poll has at 22, and I have at 46. And it's Louisiana, who the AP poll has at 23, and I have at 38. So those two teams are very similar in a lot Mm -hmm. of respects. Um, They both had great years last year, finished in the AP top 15, both of them. My numbers had them at 26 and 29, respectively. So, again, they're starting a little bit lower in mine. Um, it was the best year for Coast Carolina in their history, which is only a couple years now. But I also had it as the best year in Louisiana's history, which is almost 40 years at the Division I, um, 1A, or FBS level. So both those teams coming off great years. Kate brought back a lot of production, but some of those other factors um, kind of brought them down a little bit in my preseason. So I think they're going to be great teams. I think they're going to do really, really well in the Sun Belt, but I don't expect them to be – crashing the top 10, 15 of my predictive, uh, ratings this year. Um, just candidly, I, I don't, I don't see that happening, even if they were to go undefeated, unless, unless they just blow the doors off everyone and win a hundred and (laughs) nothing and you got a whole half of garbage time in every game. I mean, they they can work their way up, but, um, they're just not quite there in terms of, uh, the elites of, of the FPS level, according to my numbers.
0: Yeah. Um, I, one of my biggest issues I have with the AP poll is, how like um how uh pre- predictable they are like uh like you said they they weight losses and wins just too heavily, like um like in twenty nineteen um Clemson barely squeaks by North Carolina, luckily by a point, um I think North Carolina called like a wrong play uh when they could have easily won it, they didn't, and Clemson just nothing happened to them. they stayed at um I think they stay at number one. Uh, I don't know if they dropped. Um, and like last year, for example, um, number nine, Texas. Don't know how this happens. Uh, fumbles the ball, the, the the winning score at the goal line. TCU gets it. It's basically game over. They drop from nine to what twenty two or something like that. Um, so so like with your ratings, they would be probably they would probably texas wouldn't be as as severe clemson would probably have gone down some is what you're saying
2: yeah yes based on the the way that they played the game again not necessarily looking at the outcome of the game but the way that they played the game um yes if if you don't play up to the standard that you're currently at and and there are there are different standards i mean everyone is compared to the same denominator across all team ratings but for for teams like Alabama and Clemson who are starting out with ratings of 98, 99, I mean, above 99, you have to play at that level to maintain that rating. If you don't, You will drop back a little bit. That's not to say that you're going to drop back to number four, five, six. You just, instead of a 99, you might be a 97. Um, I mean, so yeah, you have to continue to play at the standard at which you've set each program. Otherwise you will slide up and down. Kyle, another really good example that I know people in the college football um, analytics community like to talk about. And I've learned a lot more about that since I joined Twitter in in 2019. So only a few years ago now. But um, one of the teams that people always talk about, it seems like, is that 2015 Iowa team who, if you recall, I, I went to that Big Ten championship game. Um, it was Iowa versus Michigan State. It was right here in Indy, which is where I live. Um, yeah. and, and Iowa went into that game. I, they were ranked, I think, number four, and Michigan State was number five, maybe. Or one of them was four and one of them was five. I can't remember which one. Yeah, um,
0: Iowa was four Michigan State was five.
2: Okay, there you go. Yeah, and, and it, it was a kind of a slugfest game. Yeah. Moving Classic the ball, so. Big Ten game. Classic Big Ten game. There you go. <laughs> I'll give you that even as a Big Ten fan. Um, but th- that was an example of Iowa was undefeated. And so – if I had most deserving rank, rankings back then, I'm sure they would have been up there in, in my numbers, too. But yeah. in terms of predictive, in terms of how good was that team, actually, they finished the year ranked in the top 10 of the AP. I'm sure I don't have the number in front of me, but they did lose in the bowl game as well, I believe. So they did finish the mm-hmm. year with two losses, but still, they probably finished as a top 10 team. They finished the year in my... Uh, ranking my ratings which I retroactively applied this past offseason to oh, nice. all seasons going back to the beginning of college football um, and again there's some estimate ratings in there as we get back farther in time I don't have all the necessary inputs but for 2015 I feel really good about it because it's recent enough and I had all the inputs I needed I had a number 33 at the end of the year that's a team Ooh. that was a possession away from being in the CFP which again right. they probably deserved to be there based on that and, and I'm all for that I want to reward the teams I do well But if someone sat there and told me, "Oh, Iowa's so good this year," I I would have looked at him and said, "Based on what?" I mean, yeah, they're 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 winning games, but my goodness, just the way that they were winning games, and that's really where the predictive um, approach differs from the way that the AP voters and other people um, tend to, I, I feel like tend to view college football teams. We absolutely need to value wins and losses when it comes to picking uh, teams for the playoff. I could not agree with that more. That's why I have my most deserving rankings. That's why I love to, to debate uh, who's number four, who's number five. Last year I did have uh, Notre Dame four. I had Texas A&M five. So there you guys go. There's an Aggie fact. They did not deserve <laughs> to be in the playoff last year. Um, but Yeah, it's just that's one of those teams, Um, the AP poll, wins and losses, predictive metrics, more about how you played, not uh, did you win or did you lose.
0: Well, um, uh, in that year in the playoff, I mean, Michigan State went in and got blasted. So it would have been the same thing with Iowa. So it didn't really matter in the
2: end. And I actually, I'd argue it probably would have been a little bit worse. I'm looking at my <laughs> year-end numbers here. I have Michigan State number 18 in the final 2015 rankings. Like I said, I had Iowa down at 33. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Michigan State was the right team there. Ohio State was the best team in the Big Ten in 2015. I was at the game in Columbus um, mm-hmm. when they lost to Michigan State in that November rainstorm. It was cold. It was wet. and It was that walk-off field goal. I'll never forget it. Um, cause I'm actually an Ohio state fan. I, I didn't mention wow. that before. Um, I can explain why uh, I am an Ohio <laughs> state fan and went to Purdue if you'd like, but I am an Ohio state fan. I was at that game with my uncle who's a season ticket holder for Ohio state. And, uh, I, I couldn't watch SportsCenter. center. I couldn't watch ESPN. I stayed, I stayed off of all social medias. I didn't even have Twitter back then, but I just stayed off everything. Um, right the internet for about a week because i was just so distraught ohio state was such a good team that year finished number three in my in my my rankings that year but they were the best team of the big 10 they lost a game that they shouldn't have that's why i love college football every game matters and uh michigan state was probably of the two michigan state and iowa michigan state was probably the right representative that year
0: um who would you have higher or or who would you think would win between 2014 tcu and 2015
2: ohio state i can tell you that right now let me me
0: look. (laughs) you might be able to
2: I've got 2015 Ohio state. And again, I've translated all of my predictive ratings for historical purposes to the zero to the hundred scale, instead of um, the points per game above or below average. So I've got 2015 Ohio state as the number 315 best college football team of all time with a ranking with a rating of 96.8. So no, they're 315 all time. Okay. I've got 2014 uh, TCU, as the number 179 of all time 97.8 so i believe based on what i just said yeah. if i remember right i had tcu winning that game
0: i knew it okay there,
2: there you go partner no good to know for you wow. buddy
0: you know you know you need to re- you need to, have you released a um best college football teams of all time list if I not am- you should do that
2: i have kyle um when i first did this it was before i did the graphics and all that stuff uh-huh. um you will be pleased to know um and i can certainly do that again you will be pleased to know again. kyle yeah. 2005 texas my man Woo. number number four all-time team according Where, to
0: my historical. Team. Miami. what's that where's 2001 miami
2: I've got 2001 Miami. Oh yeah, this caused a lot of blowback um, when I when I posted these because people said there's no way you can have this. It always does. Yeah, I've got them number 13 all time. Okay, so they're up there. I also took a lot of heat for 2019 LSU. I had them at number 19 all time. So um, I'm looking here for you, uh, Blinken. We've got the highest ranked Oklahoma team ever is 1974. Squad uh, 99.6 rating, and they're the number 11 team all time in the history of college football. A couple spots above 2001 Miami. Wow. I was
1: going to say it, it usually comes down to 74, 75, whichever, whichever was uh, your your flavor as far as <laughs> as far as arguments within uh, you know OU fan circles.
2: Yeah. Wow, and I so, will tell you, 75 is actually about the sixth or seventh let me let me just let me go back up here and let me just give you the oklahoma um rundown just to the top couple 1974 oklahoma 1971 2000 there you go bob stoops 72 2008 another bob stoops the best three lost team in the history of college football according to my number 2008 oklahoma uh 1986 oklahoma and then here you go 1985 oklahoma oh no you was it 85 that you said Right. Uh, 75, 75, 74,
1: 75. Yeah. Yep.
2: 75 is the next one. 114 all time. So, um, that's where we are. I, I do want to say the number two all t- team all time has to be, I don't have most deserving rankings going back all time. Uh, that would be uh tremendously time intensive. Maybe that's a future off season project, but it has to be the most deserving national champion team of all time has to be the team that ended up number two in my all time uh, rankings: the 1971 Nebraska Cornhuskers, they played in the same year. They beat the number two team that year, three team that year, and four team that year. Um, and they uh, those teams come in all-time ranked, 71 Oklahoma, number 17 71, wow. Alabama, 17, 71 Alabama, number 55 all-time, and 71 Colorado, number 62 all-time. They beat three <laughs> top 62 all te- all-time all college football teams all in one season and went wow. on to the national championship there um i do have them just a couple uh, hundreds of a point behind the all-time best team in college football 2020 alabama which i know gives me slack people take that they say there's no way they're not even better than 2019 lsu i'm just telling you that's what the numbers tell me uh last year's alabama's team was just off the charts fantastic
1: well, we're, we're about to get some uh, big time revenge for that 71 game. So you <laughs>
0: That's right.
2: Right.
1: yeah, I, I do have one question. I mean, this is the kind of OU Texas of analytics folks. Are you an R guy or a Python guy?
2: So I'm going to hit you with something you probably didn't expect. Between the two of those, give me R. Uh, my undergraduate uh, degree in mechanical engineering from Purdue introduced me to some different coding languages. R is the one that I had most experience with and uh, am most comfortable with to this day. However, I will say 98% of all of my college football analysis is run out of Microsoft Excel. Wow. Fantastic.
0: That is, yes, sir. That's, okay, just uh, send me over some spreadsheets, and I'll, I'll be good
2: uh, to go. <laughs> I, I, I can't, Kyle. It, it, I literally, I can't send spreadsheets. It crashes my email. They're, the, oh, files, I, I, the file sizes I, I, are too big. Um, my most deserving rankings, because of the way that, that they're set up, I have to have one for each conference and then one for the independents too, because if I try to do any more than 15 teams or so in yeah. any one file, it, it, it crashes my computer. So processing power is a real thing. I, I do – Parker has told me this. Others have told me this. I really got to get into the coding. It's going to be, it would make my life a lot easier. It would make um, it a lot less time intensive. But uh, just with the other things going on right now in my life, don't have the time to, to try to figure out how to re-familiarize myself with that. So I do uh, what I need to do in Excel and it works for me. So um, people, some people good. will, some people will stick their nose up at that and say, that's not real analysis. And <laughs> there's nothing I can say. That's okay. That's your opinion. Um, Excel's not
0: real. I, well, it yeah, only right. started like everything.
2: I, I, I challenge anyone out there um, to come at me with our own rating system yeah. as well. We can, we can have a good debate about it. I'll run mine out of Excel. You run yours out of your your choice. And we'll have my friend P Dog out in Seattle. Um, he can set us any spreadsheet to uh, compare rating systems. We'll see who does better against the spread.
0: Fantastic. Oh, is P Dog uh, Andrew?
2: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah. I was blanking on his first name, Andrew Percival, I think yeah. is his, I say his last name. He, cre- he Andrew does a great job. He's a really fun Twitter follow. Um, he does he makes, schedules, too, he makes the uh, schedules. that are awesome. I'm looking at him right now here in my base when I got him up on my, on my uh, magnetic chalkboard wall, all of them, he sent him, he sent him over here before the season started. Absolutely yeah. love him. Can't, can't recommend it enough for anyone out there that likes college football, but yeah, he, he also runs behind the scenes. He's got his metric consensus where he kind of combines a bunch of different uh, computer ratings out there. And then, he uh he, he uses that to pick games against the spread and all that stuff, but he can set you up anything you want in terms like last year he did my numbers versus the metric consensus, and he can tell you how good your rating system is or how bad it is um, based on how that does and uh, even though I didn't do as well as I would have wanted last year against the spread, Andrew still said um, st- still looks kindly and favorably upon my my rating system, so uh, that was good to know and uh, he's a good guy out there.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, uh, I'm very interested in that um, all-time list. I think. Um, how did you post it last time? It was it like a, a link to something or just like a, a just characters was, in a list? No,
2: it, yeah, it was literally characters, Kyle. It, it was probably back in I don't know April yeah. maybe when I finished that. But yeah, it was just characters. It was just off-season project was complete. Here's the top. I don't know. I think I posted the top maybe. Uh, 10 teams of all time and then yeah. i put i did some other things but the, those were all characters it was before i was doing the graphics and and the different things like that with uh with logos and stuff on, yeah. on different parts Man, so
0: if you got that up and running with like with like all like all your current like your graphics and, and design and stuff like that i think it would I think it would fly on twitter
2: yeah well maybe, maybe i'll have to do that here after we uh after we post this podcast that can be a follow-up to that
0: yeah that sounds great Okay, well, um, I guess I guess that wraps it up for this for this week's podcast episode. But um, like we said earlier, uh, go f- make sure you follow Kelly Ford um, in his Cade Ford ratings. Um, he posts all the time. Um, he has great stuff, cool website. He he will update his um, his ratings every week, so make sure you go follow him.
1: Absolutely, uh, thanks oh, for
0: joining us. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. We always end. Each episode with with some Aggie facts or an Aggie fact. Um, what what was yours saying? Uh, or what was yours earlier, Kelly?
2: No, well, um oh that was uh that was just in our conversation. I said last year all the Texas NM folks who were upset their team didn't got snubbed from the playoff. Great team last year. Really good team. Um very deserving. I had them at number 5 in my most deserving rankings though. So, I mean, I had out nice. Notre Dame 4, so I think the committee got it right. They usually do in my opinion, but that okay. was not my Aggie Fat Kyle. When you okay. when you said come with an Aggie, Aggie I want Fat you got one. Yeah, give I give it I, to I, me. I went into some numbers here. It's it's a little little bit long-winded, but just stick with me on this. So in my opinion, there are 10 college football Blue Bloods, and I define Blue Bloods as programs that have an all-time average k ford rating of greater than 75. And again, my numbers are scaled from 0 to 100, so it's really hard to maintain that 75 average. There's 10 programs out there that have done it. Oklahoma and Texas, you guys will be happy to know, are among my blue bloods. Um, okay. They have average all time K Ford ratings of 77.3 and 77.2, respectively. So Oklahoma just a smidge above Texas, but again, that's negligible. And we're talking about 100 seasons of college football here. Um, Texas AM is not a blue blood. Their all time average K Ford rating is 69.6. And then the last piece of background info you need for this nice. fact is Kansas has an average K Ford rating of 17.6 since 2010 so again we're talking (laughs) about texas and oklahoma all time 77 plus texas a&m all time 69.6 kansas since 2010 has been 17.6 that's dead last (laughs) among power five programs and it ranks 116th out of 131 fbs programs in that time uh, back when we had Idaho as an FBS, they were the, they were the 131. Yeah. Um, or they, they, sorry, they didn't rank 131, but they are the reason we had 131. So really, really bad Kansas has been. But I want to use the Jayhawks as a reference point here. If we assume that Texas A&M continues to perform at their current level of 69.6 every year, and we also simultaneously assume that both Oklahoma and Texas – perform at the average level of Kansas since 2010. <laughs> so, Oklahoma and Texas now are performing at a 70.6. Okay. And Texas A&M's continuing to perform at their nearly 70. Oklahoma and Texas's all-time K-Ford rating would not drop below Texas A&M's until after the 2040 and 2041 college football seasons respectively. So, to state that more concisely, it would take 20 consecutive years of Oklahoma playing Kansas quality football <laughs> for Texas a and ms all-time program rating to surpass the Sooners all-time or average rating. And that would also, by the same token, it would be 21 consecutive years for the, for the same thing to happen there. Texas playing at a Kansas quality level for the Aggies to surpass the Longhorns. So there you go. If we get 20 years of Kansas level for Oklahoma and Texas, and we assume that Texas A&M continues at their current all-time average clip, then the Aggies can talk about they're a better program than Texas and Oklahoma.
0: Wow. Fantastic. I love that. Love it. Love it. Okay, I'll go. The last time each team had both a top 10 uh, recruiting class and a 10 win season in the same year, Oklahoma 2019 Texas 2018, Texas A&M, never
2: happened. Uh, (laughs) They just can't pull it together over there.
0: Wins over Alabama in the last 50 years. Oklahoma 3, Texas 2, A&M 1. And then uh, I always like doing this one. Uh, Top four finishes in the three major men's sports, which are football, basketball, baseball. We've Got Texas coming in with 47 top four finishes, Oklahoma 36, and M 2. There we go. <laughs> so, I've only got
1: one, but it's okay. very per- per- pertinent to uh kind of recent um news and Oklahoma, certain certain big 12 teams moving into yeah. certain I SEC like teams' turf. Yeah, um, so. Texas AM football had more six loss seasons in their 16 years as part of the Big Twelve than Oklahoma has had in their entire history.
2: <laughs> Holy cow.
0: Holy cow. Man. Goodness. That's some good stuff.
2: You guys are ruthless out here, man. <laughs> <sighs> that's yeah. incredible.
0: Well, that's the podcast. Um, thank you, Kelly, for coming on.
2: Yeah, Make thanks me a follow lot. Him. This,
0: was, this was awesome. And let's yeah. do this again next week.
2: Kyle Boykin, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Happy to join anytime. Had an absolute blast. Awesome.
0: Awesome. We'll see you out there on Twitter.